All right, today we are in part four, the last and final uh, in our message series called Mind Games. Mind Games, next week we'll be all into summer mode and uh, you're gonna hear Pastor JJ will be in the house next weekend. Um, He's coming back all the way from Crowley. And so so, uh, me and him are playing switcheroo, so I'm going to Crowley next weekend and preaching there and he's coming here to, to Jennings and so... Uh, you're in for a real special treat next weekend, and we've got a number of actually uh, special guests that you're going to hear over the course of the summer. Um, for those that don't know, Pastor Jamie right now is on sabbatical um, in Eunice, and so we've been filling in, helping over there. Last week, last year, I got a sabbatical. This year, he's getting a sabbatical, and uh, and then next year, JJ will get a sabbatical. And so we've just we always take some time to invest in our pastors and our team. Come on, how many grateful for our pastors and all that they do. I don't know about y'all, I want them around for the long haul. The long, long haul. So, so we're playing a little musical chairs this summer with, with our pastors and then we've got special guests. I have a special guest coming in June 26th. He is a professional Christian counselor and psychologist. He's coming in on June 26th. We're gonna do a little panel here. We're actually gonna take this whole mind games. I wanted him to come during the series, but he couldn't because he was moving to, to the great state of Texas from Colorado and so he couldn't do it, but he said, I can come in June. So he's coming June 26th, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to get super practical about, uh, about the mind, because uh, he knows a lot more of that. He'll, he'll talk about what it looks like on the psychological side a little bit, and some practical things that we can do there. Uh, today, I, I, I can't really deal with the psychological side, but how many know everything within the mind is also spiritual? And so as a pastor, I can deal with it on the spiritual side and speak to it as to what the Lord says about it. And so uh, I want us to go to our theme verse, which is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. This has been the verse we've been rallying around, and that is uh, that it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what he has given us is he has given us power, and he's given us love, and he's given us a a sound mind. And so last week I made a statement, and I want to just reinforce it again, and that is that we cannot have a free life with a bound mind. You can't have a free life with a bound mind. God could, be, God could set you free uh, because I believe as soon as God uh, saves us and we give our lives to him, we are set free. There is no weapon formed against us. If, if the spirit of the Lord is there, there is freedom. But how many know just because God has promised it doesn't mean you always experience it? And so we don't experience it because we have not allowed God to renew the mind, to change our thinking. If you want to change your life, you have to change your mind. And so that's what this whole series has really been based around is how do we get to this place of not having a bound mind, but how do we have a sound mind? And so uh, I was going to end it last week. As I was preparing last week's message, uh, God began to give me this week's message. And so I said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do this another week. Um, there's, I mean, I can dictate when I want to do it. So God, if you want to go longer, let's go longer. And so God began to give me uh, a word today, and I want to speak to it because I think it's very timely for not only where we are as a church, but where we are as a nation, and really where we are as a world. And that is this, is that um, what does a sound mind actually look like? And there's so many different things, and we've talked about what it means to set our minds on the spirit and not on things in the flesh. But I think at the end of the day, a sound mind is a mind that's at peace. And so today I've titled this message, Peace of Mind. What does it look like for us to have peace of mind? I think at the end of the day, someone who has peace of mind has a sound mind. If they don't have peace, then they probably have a bound mind. 
And so I want us to look at that. What does it look like for us to have a sound mind? And we're gonna go to Philippians chapter four. We're gonna, we're gonna kind of bounce around, but this is gonna kind of be our anchor chapter today. Pastor Dustin actually shared a bit on it uh, when, when he preached uh, in week two of this. But I want us to read this all together. And uh, I want us to read this whole thing together. We're gonna read the whole thing together. You're gonna read it right here alongside with me if you're online. Uh, welcome, by the way. Uh, we want you to join in and read this with me. And it says this in Philippians four. We'll start in verse four. We'll go to verse seven. And it says this. Everybody read this with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Here we go. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen for God's word today? So Father, we pray for that. God, I, I pray that you would um, help me convey your truth today in a way that uh, your people hear it, receive it, um, allow it to be anchored in their hearts. Lord, this is such a familiar passage, but I pray that the familiarity of this passage would not diminish the power of this passage. And Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you want to speak today. You want to move throughout this place. And we, we do, as we sang earlier, we want to make room for you. Whatever you want to do today, whatever you want to say today, whatever, whatever it is, God, we want to get out of the way. Less of us and more of you. So give us a, a, a mind to, to receive and to perceive what you're doing. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen, amen. So the Apostle Paul says, go back to verse six if you don't mind. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Is that possible? Is it possible? Do not be anxious. In the world that we live in, is that possible? Yes. Now think about this, okay, with everything that's going on around us, gas prices skyrocketing like crazy, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. Uh, everything's so expensive now, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. The mass murders that we've had recently and the shootings that we've had, hey, send your kids to school, but don't be anxious, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Think about everything that we have going on around our world politically, what we have even beyond our world. There's, you know, uh, battles and fights, the Russian, Ukraine's, all of that that's happening. But hey, don't, don't be anxious. Don't, don't, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. You, you look at this, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm like, Paul, I don't know. Like, I really just don't know if this is really possible. Recent studies have actually uh, surveyed this current generation. So my generation is the millennial generation. Now we're getting into generation Z, by the way. And according to statistics, the generation Z is the most stressed out generation we've ever seen. Like, and everybody who's, got, who's an older generation is like, they don't even know. <laughs> they don't even know. But according to recent studies is that this is one of the most 
stressed out generations because it's the most worrisome generation. They're so stressed out about worry and what am I gonna do in this and where am I gonna go to college and what is gonna happen here and what's the world gonna be like and what is this gonna happen and like everything that's going on around us. I don't know about y'all, but when I went to school, it was a little bit easier than when my kids are going to school right now. There was, there was no internet bullying. There was no, I mean, there was bullying in person, but I mean, no, there's, there's things that are a lot different now in many different ways. And I'm not saying that one is necessarily harder than another, but um, oftentimes I think what we fail to realize is that all of us in here are battling something, um, and many of us are battling more things that people don't see than they do see. We walk in the church and we, you know, we, we say, yeah, we're good and praise the Lord and we sing songs and lift our hands. But what people fail to realize is that we go home and we're battling an internal battle that maybe is not even external. How I many know the battle of the mind is the real deal? And we've been talking about this really for four weeks of how do we deal with this battle when we can look so confident on the outside, but really on the inside, we're struggling with fear or anxiety or depression, or whatever it may be, because uh, when someone breaks their leg, you can see it immediately, and you can treat it immediately, but when someone is suffering in their mind, how many know sometimes it's not easy to spot? And sometimes we don't know what to do. That's why I think there's so, so much of a stigma that even comes with mental health and mental illness is because um, what, what do you do for that? So we're fighting this incredible battle in our minds, but today, speaking about peace, what do we do when we are battling anxiety and worry and fear? And so today I want us to look at that and uh, I'm gonna unpack a little bit of how do we have peace of mind? And before I can really begin to dive into Philippians chapter four, I think we need to uh, reverse back and do a little foundation work and that is that I wanna talk to you about the problem with peace. The problem with peace, that's the first, first thing that I want us to tackle today is the problem with peace. Because when I say peace, there's just so many different things that we all think of. Now I want you to do this with me. I want everybody to participate. If you're watching online, you can do this along with me. But if you're in this room, I want you to close your eyes. Uh, if you're watching online and you're driving, please don't do that. Um, but if you're in this room, I want you to close your eyes. I wanna ask a question. I want you to just kind of visually think about the answer to this question. And here's the question. The question is that in this season of life, what is the single greatest source of stress that you are experiencing? Okay, think about it for a moment. In this current season of life, what is the greatest single source of stress that you have? Okay, has everybody got a mental picture of it? Everybody got it? Everybody's like, one? <laughs> okay, okay, open your eyes. Okay, so for some of you, it, it, it's all different in this room. But I know that stress usually comes in one of four categories, for the most part. I'm gonna give you the four. Here are the four categories that usually stress and anxiety come into our lives. Place, pace, problem, person. Some of you are, are when you thought about what is the greatest single source of stress right now, you thought of a place, like maybe you thought of your home. Maybe you thought of your workplace. Maybe you thought of a, of, a, of a certain place that every time you go there, you're so stressed out, okay? There's a place. Some of you thought of 
a pace. Some of you right now, the greatest source of stress right now is you are working so much. You're working overtime, or, or maybe you're not working. Maybe you're taking care of kids, and you feel like you're an unpaid Uber driver that's constantly going around <laughs> chauffeuring all of these children. Some of you, it's just this crazy pace of life when you just say, like, I need a vacation. I just need a break. I just need this. Just pace is so fast, and so there's so much stress just because there's so much going on. You're juggling so many different things. Some of you, it's an actual problem. It might be a financial problem. It may be a health problem. Maybe a diagnosis. It, it, there's some problem that's in your life that is just causing incredible amounts of stress. And then lastly, some of you, it may be people or a person. Someone is causing stress in your life. It could be a marriage relationship, it could be a friendship, it could be a coworker, it could be something. But everybody in here, probably for the most part, if you were to list out what your issue it is, it would fall into one of these four categories. Now, the reason I bring up these four categories is because whatever you identify as the source of your stress will determine where you seek your peace. So what I mean by that is if a person is your stress, you think peace is just to get rid of the person <laughs> or to fix the person. If your stress is a place, then, then your peace will be to not go to the place. And not, that's not always necessarily bad, but I just want you to understand a little bit about the problem with peace is that sometimes the truth is we don't want peace, we just want calm conditions. We just want the problem fixed. We think that our peace has left us because of the place or the person or the, uh, the pace or the place, whatever it may be, we identify this and then we say, okay, as long as this gets fixed, as long as my finances gets fixed, then I'll be at peace. As long as this situation gets fixed, I'll be at peace. If I just get healing, then I'll be at peace. But I'm here today to tell you that there are two different kinds of peace. And when the Bible talks about peace, it's not talking about just calm conditions. It's talking about something totally different. Let me prove it to you. John chapter 14 says it this way in verse 27. This is Jesus, read letters. He says this, I'm leaving you with a gift. Now, real quick in here, how many of you love gifts? Anybody in here? If you don't, just give me yours. I'll take them. I love gifts. I absolutely love gifts. Gifts are awesome. And I love gifts that come from Jesus. He's the ultimate gift giver. And he says, I've got the greatest gift not only do I give you the gift of salvation and the gift of forgiveness, but I'm also going to leave you with another gift. And here's the gift that I want for you. A gift of peace of mind and heart. God wants us to have a sound mind that's full of peace, a heart that is sound, full of peace, and the peace, watch this, the peace that, that what? That I give, Jesus says this, so I give peace, and it's a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now watch this, though. Just because the world can't give you peace doesn't mean that they don't promise that they can. Because everywhere you go, people are, watch this, most advertisements geared towards us are geared towards if you have this, buy this, want this, it will give you peace. Right? 
Like, if you buy this, you'll be at more peace. It'll be better for you, greater for you. This, is, this will bring greater comfort and greater peace in your life. And the world will promise peace. The problem is the world cannot guarantee a check that it cannot write. That check will bounce. And so the world is telling us, I give you peace. And Jesus is telling you, no, I give you peace. Now, here's what you need to understand here is that the word peace is the word shalom. Shalom means complete, whole, or at rest. So think about it. A person who is at peace, who is at shalom, is a person who is calm, untroubled, at rest within. A person that is not at peace is filled with inner chaos, anxiety, worry. Now watch this. The world's peace is outside in, Jesus' peace is inside out. Y'all notice? Because he says, what this? I will give you peace of mind and heart. That is inside out. The world promises, no, no, no. The world cannot definitely ever promise you peace of mind and heart. So what they do is they'll promise you something externally that will give you peace from the outside in. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how this happens. Listen, peace is not found in people. Peace is not found in a place. Peace is not found in a pace. And peace is not found in problems. Peace is only found in what God has to give you. See, peace doesn't mean the absence of problems. Peace means that problems just don't have you. That's peace. The peace that God wants to give. Because here's, here's what you need to know. If Jesus is the one who gives it, no one else can take it away. So we always say this often, your joy and your peace is under your jurisdiction. No one can take it because no one gave it to you other than Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can take it away because Jesus is the only one who gave it to me. So if it gets taken away, it's not because someone stole it from me, it's because I gave it away. Are y'all with me? The sound mind that God has for you and I is a gift he has given us, and he says, you can have this gift. Now, you can choose, here's by the way, you can choose when someone gives you a gift, you can choose to accept it or reject it, right? You can can say, thank you so much, and take it, or you can go, no, 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 no. You know, my mom taught me, no, no, never take anything. No, 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 I'm not doing that. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. The problem is, though, is you miss out on the gift. So Jesus says, man, I got a gift for you. And oftentimes, it's not because Jesus hasn't given it to you. It's because we've just rejected it. Because we've said this, I can figure out how to get peace myself. And just go through life just long enough to figure out that you can't. And so the problem with peace is that we've got to make sure that we're not wanting what the world gives versus what Jesus is giving to us. The gift of peace of mind and heart. And I'll leave you with this gift. Why would Jesus leave them with this gift? You know why? Because as soon as he would leave and the Holy Spirit would come down, which by the way, today is Pentecost Sunday, the moment the Holy Spirit activated the church. Come on, how many believe he activated the first church? He can activate this church. Come on, somebody. But, But Jesus knew this. Watch this. Jesus knew that as soon as he activated the church and the church went out and did what the church was to do, everything around them would not be peaceful. So he says, I'm gonna give you a gift. 
And notice the gift that he gave. He gave us the gift of, of peace of mind and heart. Do you know the Holy Spirit also is a gift? So I'm gonna give you a gift. The only time Jesus gives gifts to you is because he knows you need them. So that's the problem. Let me dive now into how do we have this peace of mind, and I want us to go and look at Philippians 4 now and dive a little bit into this because we want, the, we want peace of mind and heart, not just peace of conditions, peace of problems, peace of people. Yes, we believe for that. Yes, we want that, but, but how can we have peace even if we don't get that? That's what I'm here today to tell you because I can't always promise that, but I can promise that you can have peace even if this isn't good. Are y'all with me? Okay, so, so number two is I want us to talk about the perspective of peace. The perspective of peace. Now I want you to look in Philippians chapter four. If we understand Philippians chapter four, Paul was wanting to go to Roman, Rome. He's always been wanting to go to Rome. Rome was a massively huge city. He could not wait to get to Rome because he was gonna preach the gospel in Rome and he knew the influence of what it would happen is that as soon as the gospel got there that the gospel would go out to so many different places because of the influence and the culture and the people and all that stuff. And he did finally get to Rome, but he didn't get to get to Rome as a preacher. He got to Rome as a prisoner. And here he is in the middle of prison, and he is penning this book to the Philippi church. And so I want you to imagine for a moment he is in prison, he's penning these words, and we get Philippians 4, verse 4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I mean, oh, this is an amazing verse for a coffee mug. It's an awesome verse for a t-shirt. It's a great verse for a refrigerator magnet. But can I tell you, I hate when people tell me this verse when I'm going through stuff. Anybody in here? Life is hard and like, rejoice in the Lord. You're like, I'm gonna rejoice on you. Okay, like, <laughs> like how in the world, you gotta just think for a moment, how is this even possible? Like, Apostle Paul, you're saying like, rejoice when I get a flat tire and it's 110 degrees outside. Like rejoice, like rejoice when I lost my job. Rejoice when I got the diagnosis that I didn't wanna get. Rejoice when I found out that my husband is cheating on me. What? Rejoice when I find out that a friend has backstabbed me. What? Rejoice when I'm having to file bankruptcy. This does not make sense at all. But the answer to this question is why can he say rejoice in the Lord always? The answer is because it's all about perspective. And if I can remind us constantly of what we say about perspective, perspective is not what you see, it's how you see. Do you know that there are two people that can stand and look at the same thing and see two totally different things? One person can stand and look at an opportunity. Another person can stand and look at it as an obstacle. If you look at the story of the 12 spies that Moses sent out into the promised land that God had said, go, God has given us this place. And you go and you look in numbers and he sends the 12 spies, the 12 leaders. The Bible says that they all come back. They all saw the land. They all saw the fruit. They all saw the same thing. But 10 came back and the Bible says they gave a bad report. And they said, yes, the fruit is big, and yes, the land is amazing, but we cannot take it. These giants are there. But notice that, uh, that Joshua did not send them, or Moses did not send them into the promised land to go see themselves. He wanted to just see the land. And they said this, and we are like grasshoppers in their eyes. See, because oftentimes the bad report comes because of how we see ourselves 
versus our problems. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, no. The Bible says in, in Numbers that Joshua, actually Caleb, quieted the people. He said, shut up. <laughs> that's, that's my version. <laughs> Can we just shut up? Because, yes, I just saw the same thing that y'all saw, but we can do this, and we can take this. And do you know that the 10 spies never got to see the promised land? They never got to walk into it. Joshua and Caleb were the only one in that generation that got to walk into it. Why? Because it's not what they saw, it's how they saw. And how many know sometimes we can have a bound mind, not because of what we're seeing is different than other people, but how we're seeing it is different than other people. God says, how do, you, how do you see this? Paul was in the middle of a, of, a, of a very difficult situation. And yet he wasn't looking at the difficulty around him. He wasn't looking at the prison bars. He wasn't look, looking at the, the guard that was chained to him. He wasn't looking at probably how he physically felt. He was looking at the perspective of God, how do you, how, what is this for? So because of this, I can rejoice and learn. How many of you remember, this was like big in the 80s or 90s. Y'all remember Magic Eye? Does anybody remember Magic Eye? Let me, let me show you a, a picture of a Magic Eye. Y'all remember this right here? How many of y'all remember this? Y'all don't even know what it's called. It's called Magic Eye. That's what this was. Supposedly, this is the way that this works. How many of you, how many remember this? Anybody in here? Okay. Um, everybody over the age of 30. Okay, so <laughs> if, you, if you look at it long enough, supposedly, if you looked at it long enough, a 3D image would pop out at you and you would see it. Now, I don't know about y'all, uh, I could never see it. I, 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 still to this day, I, I know what this image is behind it, and I still can't see it. <laughs> can, can anybody tell what it is? I don't know if anybody actually can see it or not. Maybe some of you, like, maybe kids can. All right, I'm gonna show you what it is. This is what it is. Look, go to the next one. That's what it is, right there. Did y'all see that? No. no, exactly, me neither. Go back to the other one. Look, do you see it now? No, me neither. Go to the next one. Show it again. You see it now? <laughs> yeah, you see it. <laughs> go back, go back. Do you see it? No. no, me neither. Okay, so, but I promise you, that is what this one is, right here. And so the, the, the trick supposedly is, and I still can't do it. Here's the thing that they say though, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like you got it, it's, it's like spotted in. It's, it's like, you can see it. Now, I still can't see it, I've been looking on it. I had my computer screen, I was doing this. Still couldn't find it, but, uh, but yeah, so that's it. So the word that we see here is rejoice the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. The Lord is at hand. It's all about perspective. Now, to perceive in the Latin literally means to look through, to look through, to look through. There's something that Paul is teaching us when it comes to when we go through trials and tribulations and difficult situations of what does it look like for us to be able to look through it? We're often looking at it, but what is it to look through it? Are y'all with me? What, what, what is it that you're walking through that God was wanting you to look through, not just look at? What, how can we look through this? I mean, there's so many emotions and so many things that are going on right now, it's kind of hard for us to even grasp how God could use this. How could he use this really hard thing that I'm walking through and that I'm going through? But, but if we could look through it and see that God is with me, God is before me, God is after me, God is in it, 
Think about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, that Jesus was in the fire with them. Notice Jesus didn't get them out of the fire, he just stepped into it with them. What does it look like for us to have perspective? Now, notice that the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. He does not say, be happy in the Lord always. And let me tell you why. Because to be happy is to feel something, but to rejoice is to decide something. To be happy is to feel something. But listen, you can't control how you feel. I can't look at you and go, be happy. <laughs> be sad. Like you can't command a feeling. But how many know, but you can make a decision. And joy, rejoicing is a decision to be made, not a feeling to follow. And there are so many people that are not having peace in this world because they're basing it off of what makes them happy versus making the decision to choose to choose joy in the midst of sorrow, choose joy in the midst of pain, to choose joy in the midst of hardship. This is rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, hey, just for a second, rejoice again. Joy, this decision that we make. Paul is not rejoicing in what he's going through, but Paul is rejoicing in who is going through it with him. Because notice it says, rejoice in, put that scripture back up for me. Rejoice, rejoice, go back to that one. Rejoice, there we are. In, rejoice in, not rejoice in the pain. We don't rejoice in the, in the situation. We don't rejoice in the problem. No, we rejoice not in what, we rejoice in who? We rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord always, always. So here's my question. If God heals you, will you rejoice? If God doesn't heal you, will you rejoice? If God frees you, will you rejoice? If God doesn't free you, will you rejoice? If God does what you want, will you rejoice? If God doesn't do what you want, will you rejoice? This is really where it comes down to is, do we choose to believe that who God is is greater than we can imagine? He's doing things we can't even see. And God, I choose to rejoice in you, not because of what I'm going through, but because of who is going through it with me. That is perspective, by the way. That is Paul in prison. By the way, this was not the first time he was in prison. He'd been in prison before with Silas, and if you know the story, they chose to worship and pray in the midst of that. Now think about this, they did that and the angel released them. This time though, angel didn't release them. How many of you know that sometimes God will do it one way, but he'll do something else a different way the next time? And rejoicing in the Lord is choosing to have the perspective. Paul may have been bound in his body, but he was not bound in his mind. Some of you may be walking through situations where you feel bound to the situation or to the circumstance, but just because you're bound in body doesn't mean you have to be bound in mind. It's all perspective. I mean, just because something happened to you doesn't mean it has to keep affecting your future. Doesn't have to keep affecting you. We can keep moving. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. I don't rejoice in what, but I do rejoice in who. Which leads to number three. Actually, before, let me, let me share this scripture. Isaiah 26, verse three. It says this, you will keep in perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. Perfect. 
all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The story of a little boy that was on, a, on an airplane with a bunch of other people and the plane was super high up in the air and they went through some incredible turbulence. I mean, plane shaking, lightning hitting, people freaking. I mean, the whole situation, everything that you can think of. And I don't know if y'all have ever been in a plane situation where there was a ton of turbulence, but it's, 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 a, bit, it's, it's a bit scary. And, uh, and so all this is going on. Everybody's freaking out. Mamas are freaking out. And there's this little kid, and he's sitting there, and he's drawing uh, with his crayons a little tree and him climbing up in the tree. And a woman looks over, and she's panicked. I mean, she's gripped onto the thing, and she's looking over at her son, and she's like, you're not scared? And he looks up at her, and he stops drawing, and he says, no. And then he goes back, and he starts drawing again. And so she's like, what in the world? And so she, she goes, why are you not scared? And he puts his... Crayon down, he looks back at her and he says, because my dad's the pilot. (laughs) He just trusted that his dad would just get him through. What would it look like if we had the same thoughts when we're going through hardships to go, I can choose to rejoice in the Lord. You know why? Because my daddy's the pilot. You know what brings worry and fear is when you're the pilot. When you're the pilot, because this verse says you're going to keep in perfect peace. That's shalom, shalom. All who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. Come on, I have peace because there's somebody that's with me than greater that's anything going against me. That I can have perfect peace in me because that when I shift my focus from it to him, I will be able to see that no matter what it is, it doesn't change who he is. Which leads to three, and that is the path to peace. The path to peace. So he goes on, and after he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, for the Lord is near, the Lord is at hand. He then says this verse, don't be anxious about anything. Now, this encourages me, actually, because Paul is telling us not to be anxious because he knows that we're going to be anxious. So this is a bit encouraging because Paul knows that there's going to be moments of anxiety that come your way, and so I just need to tell them. It's kind of like when Jesus says, don't be afraid. Well, he tells you that because there's going to be moments to be afraid. And so Paul is saying, don't, don't, be, don't be anxious. Well, what is anxiety? What is anxiousness? Any of y'all um, ever despise those kind of annoying uh, dashboard lights that come on your dashboard of your car? Just those, those like lights that come up. I have, a, I have on my truck, I just have a recent uh, thing that pops up. Every time I put it in reverse, it constantly pops up, constantly pops up. And I just keep hitting okay, okay, I got it, okay, okay. I looked in all the system to try to fix it. I'm gonna have to, the only way that I can get this little reverse thing off after researching it all on the internet is that I've gotta take it into the manufacturer who built it and for them to reset it to make it right again. Anxiety is that. Anxiety is the blinking light at you that says something is wrong and you need to bring it to the manufacturer, the one who created it, because he's the only one who can fix it. He's the only one. Anxiety is a signal alerting to you it's time to pray. 
It's time to pray. Because watch, he says, don't be anxious about anything. But he doesn't put a period there. He says, you, want, you know what? You want to know how you deal with these lights that are going off all around you and there's anxiousness and worry and fear and these things that's saying, hey, something's wrong, something's wrong. Anxiety is not the issue. Anxiety is the feeling that we feel about the issue. And so there's these lights that are going off and you can do a couple different things. You can ignore like I've been trying to do for so long or you can put a picture there so you don't ever see it again or you can do whatever you want. At some point, you're gonna have to deal with the situation. And so really, it's an opportunity to signal. Anxiety is a signal. Hey, it's time to pray. It's time to pray because look what the verse says. It says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to be on our hearts and our mind, guess what? It's big enough to be on God's heart and God's mind. And I'm gonna tell you this, and I wanna, I wanna uh, challenge us in our prayers because oftentimes, let me, let me tell you what we normally do, and I, I'm so... Um, convicted of doing this myself is that my conversations with God is, God, I need you to fix this. God, I need you to fix them. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, I need, it's, it's just kind of like this grocery list of things that I need God to do. And, and I want you to see something here because it says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So yes, we should be praying about it. But I think beyond just praying about the circumstance and the situation and the place and the problems and all the stuff that's going on, I think what what we really need to be praying about is the emotion of it all. Yes. We're trying to get God to fix the problem, but I mean, no, God is trying to fix the emotion. The question is, is why are you worried about it? The question is, why are you fearful about it? The question is, why are you battling so much uh, um, um, issues in your mind when it comes to uh, depression or disappointment? We only pray for God to fix our finances, but we don't talk to God about why we worried about him in the first place. We, God, wants to talk to, God wants you to talk to him about not just fixing the problem, but fixing you. Do you know God can take it when you're mad? Like, I'm mad, God. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm devastated. Not just prayers of God, would you just do this, but God, would you do something to me? Because listen, I want you to hear me, church. God is way more concerned, way, way more concerned with changing your mind than he is about changing your circumstances. And prayer can change circumstances, but more importantly, prayer changes you. And that's what God's more after. This is what God's after. Could he change the situation? Yes. Do we believe in miracles? Do we believe that he can do the supernatural? Do we believe that he can do the things that nobody else can do? Absolutely. He can do the impossible. He can do all those things, and we will continue to pray for healing, and we will continue to pray for resources, and we'll continue to pray for reconciliations and relationships. We'll continue to pray for all those things. But maybe, just maybe, when we come to the Lord in everything, because I love that, in everything, not just in the circumstances and the problems, but in everything, in, in how I'm feeling right now and how I'm processing this right now. Because notice he says, don't be anxious. So I need to even talk to the Lord about my anxiety. God, this is, I'm, I'm feeling this right now. This is, this is where I'm at. I, I want you to see how this works because the world has a path to peace and God has a path to peace. 
And they're very different. They're similar in some regards, but they're very different. Let me show you the world's path to peace. The world's path to peace usually starts, there's a problem. Some kind of problem, some issue, some stress, something has happened. That problem then creates inside of you an internal anxiety. The signal light starts going off. Maybe your kids are running from the Lord. Maybe there's an issue that's going on in your marriage. Maybe there's something that's going on in, in, in just in your own mind. Maybe there's something that's, that's happening there and anxiety starts happening. And the path of the world is this, is that when anxiety hits, you start controlling more. So you start doing this. Well, I'm gonna work more. I'm gonna do more. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna make this. And we try to take control of the situation, which by the way, when you take control of the situation, it only leads maybe to some external piece of the problem. Maybe you fixed it for the moment, externally, but it still doesn't do an internal piece that God really wants for you. And so what ends up happening is, is you just live problem by problem, it's a cycle. Then the next problem happens and you go through and you try to control and then the next thing, the anxiety and then you control and, then, and, and the more you control, by the way, I've always found the more you control, the more anxious you get. Y'all ever found that? Like the more you try to control your kids, the more anxious you are. The more you try to control your finances, the more anxious you are. The more you try to control your health, the more anxious you are. The more fearful you are. The more all of those things that you are. And so that's the world's ways. You need to try to control it. But God's way, God's path to peace is this, that you're gonna experience a problem. Whether you're saved or not saved, you're still gonna experience problems. You're still probably gonna experience some anxiety that comes with that. But the only difference is, is that because you understand that the solution is not you making more control, the solution is actually more surrender. And so you're going to go to prayer. We're gonna do what these bracelets say every time when we wear them for us to pray first. Anxiety hits, I'm gonna pray first. Worry hits, I'm gonna pray first. I'm gonna bring this to the Lord. I'm gonna pray in everything, about everything, with supplication and with thanksgiving. I'm gonna go ahead and pre-thank God for what he's doing right now, even though I don't see it happening right now. I'm gonna pre-pray, I'm gonna pre-thank, and I'm gonna begin to do that. And as I do that, the promise is, is that I'll begin to have eternal peace of heart and mind. That the peace comes down. Watch this, when prayer goes up, anxiety comes down. When prayer goes up, peace comes down. When prayer goes, when, watch this, and when prayer goes down, anxiety goes up. It's, it's, it's like a seesaw. It's the way that it works. God says, listen, if it's, if it's on your heart, it needs to be on my heart. If it's big enough for you to worry about, it should be big enough for you to pray about. So let's think about it. Let's, let's, let's think about what we're thinking about. Let's pray about what we're thinking about. God's peace, problem, anxiety, prayer, peace. Let me show it to you. Because the next verse says, verse seven, and uh, so notice it's, the, it's an and, reverting back to verse six, which says that when you pray with supplication, with thanksgiving, when you do all that stuff, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love this because God's peace is a protector. It's a protector. Protects our hearts, protects our minds. I don't know anybody that's, that's in here, everybody here has different stories, but any of y'all just have walked through something that was just beyond what you thought you could bear. 
but there was just this internal peace that you got that went beyond even your comprehension of how you're even. People look at you and go, how are you doing this? Y'all ever, y'all ever had that happen? Or you've experienced that with people? And, 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 and oftentimes you're like, it's God. I mean, it's just God. It's, it's, it is the Lord guarding my heart and guarding my mind because if the Lord wasn't guarding my heart and guarding my mind, I would be a basket case. I would have lost my mind. But what ends up happening is, is when we pray, prayer goes up, peace comes down, peace begins to fill my heart and fill my mind, and it's literally like a soldier is put at the heart, at the, at the doorways of a heart and the doorways of our mind, and it begins to guard all that stuff that comes against us. And today, I, I believe there's many of you that are in this room that you haven't had that peace, that sound mind. And that's because you've taken control. Instead of surrendering control, you've taken control. And so therefore, there's nobody guarding your mind and your heart. The Bible says that he comes and he guards it when our thoughts are fixed on him, when our attention is fixed on him. He guards it, he protects it. Which leads to the last one, and that is the practice of peace. Because now he goes into verse eight and he says, okay, now that the peace of God is guarding your heart and guarding your mind, what you got, you now need to make sure you keep. So if I've got God's peace, how many in here don't wanna just get it and lose it and get it and lose it and get it and lose it? How many all wanna get it and keep it? Anybody? I wanna get it and keep it. I wanna keep the peace of God. And the way that I keep the peace of God is by practicing this. And so how do we practice this? Well, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, what do we do? We think about these things. So as I've said in previous messages, we need to think about what we're thinking about. We need to think about what we're thinking about. And here is your filter. Is what I'm thinking about true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, here we go. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You know, there's an old adage Practice makes perfect. It's not true. Practice makes permanent. And whatever you practice over and over again, because how many know you could be wrongfully practicing something and it doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. That's why it's so hard for us sometimes to get out of the old mindset. It's because it's been your practice for so long. My grandma did it, my mama did it, I do it, my kids are doing it, we all do it. This is just what we do. It's because that's been the practice. But how many know, we can practice new. God, renew our mind, give us the filter. It says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So here's how I wanna end. You've heard four messages on the mind, okay, we've talked about strongholds, taking those lies captive, 
presenting them to the truth. We've talked about retraining our brain and thinking about the goodness of God, trusting God. Last week, I talked about mindsets and how do we, how do we shift from a fleshly mindset, a mind that's set on, the, set on the flesh and what we want versus a mind that's set on the spirit, what God wants. And then today, we're talking about the peace of God, the gift of God. You've heard all four of these messages. Here's the question. The question that we've got to ask is, will you put them into practice? And the difference between those who have a bound mind and those who have a sound mind will be those who put in the practice. So as soon as you leave here, some of you may be even experiencing this right now, that as you're hearing these truths, there's things inside of your mind that are going, no, 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 no. And you're gonna have to take those thoughts captive. And you're gonna have to get honest with some people. And you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to practice all this stuff. And it's, it's gonna have to be maybe a new rhythm, a new, a new thing. If you've never done it before, it's a, it's a new practice. But I know this, a sound mind is a gift that God wants to give you. Yes. How many of you say, I want that, I wanna receive all that he has for me? And here's the beauty of it, God's given you the sound mind, we just gotta walk in that. We've gotta walk in it, we've gotta walk in it. So Holy Spirit, right now, Lord, I just pray for every person that's here, those that are watching online, God, I pray peace of mind. Bible, you, you describe it in the Bible that Jesus is the prince of peace. That peace is not just a circumstance or a situation. Peace is a person and peace comes when we accept you into our life to come and you guard our hearts and you guard our minds. So would you be the prince of peace in this room. There's those of you that are just walking through maybe a very, very difficult thing right now. And you so long for the peace of God in this situation, in this problem, in this place, with this person. If that's you that's in here, I wanna I want to, I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just put your hands up right there where you are? There's something that's going on right now, something that you're walking through and you just need the peace of God. So Father, I pray right now that the Lord of peace, the God of peace, will give your people peace in this. Lord, we know that it might not be even a change of situation, but I believe it can be a change of heart and mind. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, for supernatural peace from what we're walking through. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. Give us the perspective of peace. That it's not what we're going through, but who we're going it through with. Psalms 23, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Maketh me lie down in green pastures, and you restore my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So today we are reminded of the gospel, the good news, that God, this gift of peace you've given to each and every person. So we receive this today.